Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue, just west of the Cherryvale Mall. Now here's Pastor Marty Pierce with today's message. Hello, Rock Church. How's everybody doing this morning? I, I just can't tell you how privileged I, am, I feel to be behind this pulpit to share the word this morning. And uh, thank you, Pastor Jared, for uh, trusting me to be able to share what God's laid on my heart. Uh, I trust that the word I'm going to share today is going to, it's, well, I'll just be honest with you. It's going it's gonna, to it's gonna shine some light on some things in our lives. I know it's examined me quite a bit. And, um, and, but I, I trust that, that you're going to find joy in this moment as we, as we look at God's word. So why don't you turn with me to second Corinthians chapter four, and, um, we're going to be looking at the subject this morning that says what is on the inside will come out. How many of you know that if, if something's on the inside, eventually it's going to come out. All right. So. Um, that'll all kind of make sense a little bit more as we dive into this word this morning. So if you don't have your Bible with you, there are Bibles in the uh, backs of the, of the pews by where the hymnals are, um, or and it's also going to be up on the screen. So I'm going to jump through chapter 4 through a few different verses here. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, um, but uh, let's check out what God's Word has to say this morning. Therefore, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, excuse me, in the sight of God. For it is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to look at verse 7. It says this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Say, I've got treasure inside of me. Say it with me. I have treasure inside of me. You guys got you to you know, act like we're Pentecostal in here, okay? It's okay to talk in church as long as you're talking with the pastor. Don't, don't talk to your neighbor unless I give you permission, okay? Loosen up a little bit. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Say, it's God and not mine. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so then death is working in us, but life in you. Look at somebody and say, I'm dying. That's kind of a morbid thought, right? But how many of you know that once we're born, we're already on our way to the grave? Hebrews tells us it's appointed once for, for man to die, and then the judgment. Okay, so we're on our way to the grave, but even though there is death working in us, life is in you. So in, in verse 16, it says, therefore, everybody say, therefore, 
We do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Say, I'm working on getting a little better. Are you working with me? Are we working towards becoming more like Christ? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to hear the the word of God today. I pray, Lord, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word. And Lord, I pray that those of us who are in this room today and watching online, that we would have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And let us not just hear it, but respond to it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. All right. So how many of you like dad jokes? Anybody like dad jokes? I'm a dad. I like to tell dad jokes. My kids think I'm pretty good at it most of the time. Sometimes they get the eyes rolled at them. But this, this isn't quite a dad joke, but it's a, it could be a dad saying maybe. Okay. So I heard this a few years ago. It says this, people are like tea bags. You find out what's inside when you drop them in hot water. Let that, let that sit in there for a minute. Let that, let that steep. Ah, see what I did there? See what I did there? I'm, I'm, you're going to go with me, all right? It's going to be fun. All right. I think it's probably safe to say that the last five and a half months have been weird. Can we be real? These unprecedented times. If I hear that one more time on a commercial, I think I'm going to, oh wait, I don't have any hair. I was going to say I was going to pull my hair out, but I don't have any left to pull. But we keep hearing that over and over again. We're all in this together. These are unprecedented times and and everything is going crazy and it's easy to become weary. Anybody just weary of it? Anybody tired of 2020? I heard somebody say the other day, we need to put 2020 down for a nap, and maybe when it gets up, it'll be in a better mood. (laughs) But think about this for a minute. It's only been five and a half months. That's nothing. That's really nothing. And it's easy to become weary of everything that wants to grab your attention. How many of you know that everything wants you to pick a side? We want you to be a Republican, or we want you to be a Democrat. We want you to have this choice. We want you to have that choice. We want you to get on this side or get on that side and be for this and against that. And it's just mind-boggling. Everything is grabbing for your attention. And, you know, sometimes you just want to say, I've had enough. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is when uh, the children of Israel are getting ready to go and, and take on Jericho. And the night before, Joshua is kind of off by himself, and he's getting prepared. And uh, the captain of the Lord's army shows up that we know now is is a manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament. And he walks up to Joshua, and Joshua says, hey, I see you coming up. Are you with me, or are you with my enemies? And he says, nope. I'm on the Lord's side. So this morning, I want to pose a question to you. Instead of trying to find this side or that side to be on, I'm asking, are you on the Lord's side today? Are you on his side? 
Because it's not about the right side or the left side. It's about being on Jesus' side. Okay? And so here's something that I want you to think about also. What are you ingesting on a regular basis? What are you allowing in? Is it social media? Are you on Facebook as soon as you get up in the morning? It's like we have to get up in the morning and open our phone or our computer and find out what we're supposed to be mad about today. Are you watching the news? Are you listening to music? Are you spending time in prayer? Hello. Are you reading your Bible? Well, what about this? Are you just hanging around toxic people and attitudes? Now, please understand, I'm not suggesting that we need to go and stick our heads in the sand or that we need to lock ourselves in a closet and not be aware of what's going on in the world. We've got to, we've got to know what's happening, okay? So it's okay to look at the news. I'm not saying don't ever watch the news or never be on Facebook or any of those things. But when it becomes the center of our focus, it causes us to get off track. Because we, how many of you know you can go down a rabbit trail really fast when you get on the internet? And you can think, oh, I'm just going to be on here for a second. And the next thing you know, you spent 30 minutes. And you, 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 know, you get really brave and bold when you're behind your, your little keyboard. And you can just fire off somebody. I'm going to fix them with my comment on what they posted. And whoo, send it off. And then they respond back in kind to you. And then the next thing you know, you've lost a friend over something ridiculous. Now I'm meddling. I'm sorry. I have to. Because I'm guilty of it too. I wish I could tell you I had it all together. I had it all figured out. I don't. I'm working my my salvation out with fear and trembling just like you are. But I've tried to make a concerted effort to limit my exposure to some of the things that are out there online so that I don't take the bait. Just being real. We need to have our finger on the pulse of what is happening around us, but we don't have to let everyone else's reactions control us. Put that up on the screen if you would, please. That's a good quote. Write that down. Have your finger on the pulse of what is happening around you, but you don't have to let everyone else's reaction control you. It's true. All right, so many of you know that I work at UPS as a second job. And maybe you don't know this, but Rockford is one of the busiest hubs in the world at the airport for freight volume. It's like the third or fourth largest airport by freight in the world. And you think, Rockford, what's, what's so cool about Rockford? Well, we're close to Chicago, and we're kind of the middle of the country, so you can get you can fly from anywhere in the country within three hours can fly right here to, to Rockford. So it's an ideal place to, to load and sort packages. So not just with UPS, but also Amazon's got a big sort facility out there, and things are growing all the time. Well, so to kind of give you an idea about what we do, I work at night out there, and within three hours' time, we sort, we unload, sort, and load back 250,000 packages. One quarter of a million packages are unloaded, sorted, and loaded back up in three hours. And here lately, it's been about 95 degrees when we're working. And here lately, because of the pandemic, we have to wear masks. And here lately, just 
we're short-staffed because people aren't coming to work for various reasons. And here lately, it's already a stressful place, but how many of you know stress gets a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and then it kind of gets to a breaking point where somebody's just going to lose their mind and just, you know, scream and yell at somebody. And that's, that's no good when that happens. Well, back during Christmas time, I got put into a new position, and it's already busy at UPS, but at Christmas time, it's what's called peak. The night after, I think it was the Friday after Thanksgiving or something like that, a few days after Thanksgiving, we hit our peak volume, which was right at 425,000 packages that we sorted in three hours. That's an insane amount of boxes, y'all. And we thank you for ordering with Amazon because that's most of what it was. So um, I was in a new position. I was trying to get, you know, uh, an understanding of what the job was. And I work in an area then that was called the ball mat. And the ball mat is where they bring up cans from the airplane to unload. And it's about the area that I worked in was about 100 yards across. And I would walk up and down it 100 times if I did it once during the night, directing about 40 employees that I was directly responsible for, okay? So it's a high-stress area. There's lots of stuff going on. It's kind of crazy. And then on top of that, we have what's called a catwalk, which is about 20 feet up above us, and that's where all the full-time supervisors and division manager and all those awesome people hang out, and they're observing what's going on, and then they're directing us to direct our employees. So it's already stressful, I've got them looking at me, looking over my shoulder, asking me why I'm doing this and why I'm doing that. It's already making me crazy. Then I have six different bosses telling me six different things all at the same time. So now my stress level is starting to rise. And I'm normally a pretty easygoing guy. I mean, you know, I try to be. But at that point, I mean, I was just (sighs) kind of getting to it. And the Lord spoke to me one night as I was kind of starting to lose my cool. And he said, why are you letting that get the better of you? And I said, I don't know. I I just talk plainly to the Lord, guys. That's the only way I know how to be. The Lord speaks to me and I respond. So he asked me a question. I just saw this. I don't know. And he said, well, why don't you just brush it off? And I said, what do you mean, like this? And he said, yeah. So literally, I'm walking up and down this ball mat going like this. And I know I looked idiotic, but guess what? I felt better. So everybody do this. Everybody just brush it off. Just brush it off. When the people are throwing stuff at you and saying things and stuff that's driving you crazy, brush it off. Because you don't have to let their stress, their drama, their nuttiness, whatever, you don't have to let it stick to you. There's no point in it. My joy is not worth their stress. It's not. Okay? So that's, that's one point I wanted to talk about. And then we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, back where we were at, verse 7, says this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Remember, that's us, our body, the earthen vessel. There's a treasure in us that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The treasure that Paul is talking about is the work of the gospel. And the work cannot shine out of us unless we stay plugged in to the power source. If you're not spending time with the Lord, you're not being infused with anything that comes from him. It just doesn't happen. So if we don't stay in sync with the Holy Spirit, with him being at work in our lives, we lose heart because the world's going to throw everything at us and probably including the kitchen sink, literally. I'm being facetious a little bit, but, but the world is trying to throw things at you. It's going to try to throw you off course. And if we're not connected to the power 
the power source, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, it doesn't, we, we can't deflect those things. It's impossible to do in our own strength. A couple of weeks ago, I was in a funk. Anybody ever get in a funk where you just kind of grumble under your breath and you just walk around like Yosemite Sam? Anybody remember Yosemite Sam? Oh, I got a few youth back there that remember. I'm kind of surprised about that. I didn't think they showed cartoons like that anymore. But Yosemite Sam was this little guy, you know, that, that sometimes he was a pirate, sometimes he was a, a cowboy outlaw, sometimes he was, uh, you know, whatever. And he would just walk around and he was just mad all the time, just grumbling under his breath. You know, and, and, and they always exploited that weakness that he had to, to, with his temper in the cartoons with Bugs Bunny typically pushing his buttons. And then, you know, he would explode and, you know, everybody would laugh because, you know, that's, that was the whole thing with that. And I, sometimes I allow myself to be like Yosemite Sam and I walk around just kind of grumbling under my breath and, man, that person said something to me and I can't believe they said that. Why would they, you know, but you ever get that way? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. I read my Bible every day. That's, that's a habit that I have, have had in my life probably since I was about 20 years old. I've been in church a long time, but I didn't really start reading my Bible regularly until I became a young adult. And, um, you know, I, I do my best to spend time in prayer. I know how to do all the right things. I know how to be churchy. Y'all, I was, I was essentially like born on Saturday and in church on Sunday. Not really, but... But you know what I'm saying? I mean, I've been in church my whole life. I'm 42 years old. I, I mean, I just, I've just, I've been in church. That's just, it was a value that was part of my family growing up, and I'm thankful for that. But sometimes we know how to do all of the right things, but our heart really isn't in it. Because we're doing things with the wrong motive. And I let these distractions get in front of me, and we all know that we have distractions. We all know that, that there, many of us have a spouse. Sometimes we can be distracted by, by arguments that happen with our spouse, or excuse me, intense fellowship. Sometimes our kids drive us crazy because they just won't clean their room or something. I'm not pointing the finger at you, Jack, I promise. Sometimes... The thing that gets in our way is we have housework, we've got yard work, we've got relationships with other people, we've got a job, and just everything in the world just tries to, to just latch a hold of us and, and take and sap our energy. And I got to the place in this moment where I had replaced the conjunction in verses 8 and 9 from but to and. How many of you know when you change but to and, that completely changes the meaning of a sentence? I was perplexed and crushed. I was persecuted and I felt despair. I was struck down and destroyed. Everything that was just going on, I just let myself get in a great pity party. Pity parties are awesome, aren't they? And then my wife said something that really irritated me. Spouses can irritate you when they're right. She said, I am. <laughs> she said, why don't you go play your piano? I don't want to play my piano. And the reason why she said that is because she knew 
that when I go and play the piano, it's like taming the beast. So you know, like in, in the Old Testament, when Saul was being tormented by a demon, David would come and play his harp, and the evil spirit would leave. There was something about that that, that caused that, to, to, that interference and messing with to go away. And my wife knows me. We've been married almost 21 years. I would hope she knows me by now. And so she knew that whenever I go and play the piano that things get okay. And I'll kind of lay it out a little bit more, you know, kind of where being, just being real because I'm a real person. I was really stressed out. It was a Thursday. We had just been finished kind of putting the, some of the finishing touches on the booth back there that we just built. And I got to get everything kind of reset back up and plugged in so that we can have church on Thursday night, and because I'm the music pastor and, and I'm the one that kind of is over all that, if it doesn't get done, it's on me, so it's got to get done, right? So I'm working hard to make it all come together, and I, and I knew I had to lead worship for church that night, and my mind just wasn't in the right place. Anybody ever get that moment where your mind's just not in the right place? And so I get over here, and I, it's time for worship practice at 6 o'clock. I plug in, and I begin to play, and immediately, within two seconds, all of the frustration and the distraction was gone. Now, that's not because I'm special. It's because I was doing the thing that God created me to do, right? I'm not really a piano player. I don't know if y'all know that. I've never had a piano lesson in my life, okay? I'm, I'm, I, I'm a drummer. That's what I grew up playing was drums. That's the only thing I've been classically tra- trained to do and then when I was about 19, 20 years old, the Lord kind of put something on my heart to, to help with, with worship beyond playing the drums and just gave me the piano. I mean, I, this is literally what happened. And if you were a real piano player and you watched me play, you'd be going, he doesn't do any of that right. But what I do works for me, all right? So I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that the Lord has helped me with that. And you know what? Maybe playing the piano isn't the thing that fixes it for you, but I would highly encourage you to find the thing that keeps you centered when you feel all the pressure that you, and so that you can immerse yourself into that thing, even if it's just for a couple of minutes, and let God bring you back to center. Now, we, we, we just received communion this morning, right? And one of the things that's, that's in communion that's, that's so precious is the juice, the wine that represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled for us. So let's talk about pressure and crushing You can't enjoy the sweetness of a grape unless you first pick it from the vine and then you stick it in a barrel and you crush it. And you press the juice out of it. I've never been a wine connoisseur, nor am I suggesting that you become one, but the point remains that you can't make wine if you don't crush grapes. And I'm sure the grape doesn't like the fact that it's getting crushed if the grape had feelings. So let me ask you a question this morning. What if God is allowing you to be pressed and crushed so that the things that are inside of you can be released? What if you were being emptied so that God can give you something better? What if the pressure that you feel is to get something out of you that's toxic? 
A few weeks ago, I had an ingrown fingernail on, on one of my fingers, and I'm not going to get gross or anything like that, but your skin is a really amazing organ system on your body because when something gets in there that's not supposed to be there, it turns red and it swells up and it gets kind of grimy and cruddy inside and you kind of have to push on it a little bit and then when you do, it hurts really bad. And then you get that thing out and then all of a sudden the pressure's released and you're like, oh, I feel better. What if God's putting pressure on you to get something toxic out of your, out of your system? I want to read you a story real quick. It's kind of bringing this thing to a landing place. There was a pastor in China back in the 50s when Mao Zedong took over China and turned it into a communist nation. His name was Pastor Chen. Pastor Chen had um, three churches that he pastored that were house churches, had about 100 people across the three churches, and he was arrested and he was put into a work camp. This work camp had, the reason why I said air quotes on camp is this, had, this work camp had 60,000 people in it. It's kind of hard to call that a camp. That's more like a city, right? So he's in this place, and they're wanting to make an example out of him, and then they're going to they're gonna really give him the worst job that they can absolutely think of. We're going to humble him. We're going to break this guy. We're going to do everything we can to, uh, to, to, to just you know, break his spirit. So they said, Pastor Chen, here's what you're going to do. Your job every day is you're going to get to swim in a cesspool, and you get to skim all the, the stuff out of the cesspool out, and we're going to use that, what you skim out, to make fertilizer for the camp to, to go in the garden. Pretty rough job, huh? Anybody ever been near a retaining pond like that? Have you ever smelled anything like that? Yeah, it smells like death. Doesn't smell good at all. So imagine with me, if you will, the first day that he shows up for his job, they, they put on this, this, you know, waiter's gear or whatever, and they give him, I don't even know if they gave him a mask or anything, probably not, because like I said, they're trying to, to break this guy, and they lower him down into this pool, and he said the stench was so unbearable, he thought he was going to die. And he also knew that in the process of being in this position, he's being exposed to all kinds of things, because that's what it is, it's a cesspool. So he knows I'm probably going to get catch something while I'm in here and I'm going to die. And it was a horrible, horrible place to be. But then he realized something. As the guards lowered him down into the pit, they were also being overcome by the smell and they left. So he would work in this thing for four, five, six hours, whatever the, the time was during the day. And as he would do it, the guards weren't there either. And he's like, hey, I can do whatever I want. I'm going to work in this thing, and it's gross, and it's disgusting, but they can't stop me from praying. They can't stop me from worshiping. They can't stop me from enjoying myself in the middle of this thing. They're not going to break me. So every day, he gets lowered down, and as he's getting lowered down on this rope into this, this pool, he begins to get a big smile on his face, and he starts to sing, I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses. Because you see what happened was, is he allowed God to turn his pile of mess, manure, whatever you want to call it, into a garden. What 
Can God turn of your mess? What can he make into a garden today in your life? If you'll just allow him today, what will you let him press out of your life? Let's go back to verses 11 and 12 and 16 and 18. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Does that make more sense now that I just taught what I, he was in the middle of death and now it's being turned into life? So verse, six, verse 12, so death is working in us, but life in you Verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal." So let's get real this morning. We are perishing. We are on our way to the grave at some point. Life is draining out of us from the moment that we are born. But yet, our inward person is being renewed day by day. Sometimes it feels like we are in these moments for what feels like an eternity. These last five and a half months have seemed like the longest five and a half months ever. But in reality... The 80 to 90 some odd years that most of us will be alive on this earth is just a tiny blip in the scope of eternity. I want you to think about something for a minute. I, okay, so I'm a nerd, all right? I freely admit I'm a nerd. I love to watch videos on YouTube about space. I'm just fascinated by space. I'm fascinated by God's creation. Because, I mean, when you look out and you, like, okay, a few weeks ago we went out and I was out west of town and I was trying to find that comet. I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to see this comet. I'm pretty sure I saw it, but not, not really sure. I, I saw what looked kind of like a smudge on the windshield, you know, is what it kind of looked like, you know, looking out towards the northwest. I'm pretty sure that was it, but I don't really know. But everybody, you know, I, I'm just, I'm a nerd. I like to go outside and find things in the sky. And I'm watching this, this video one night. And, that, and, and how many of you know the pictures that the Hubble telescope has taken are just mind-boggling? Amazing things that they've discovered with this telescope. And there's a picture that I saw that was of a galaxy that was 13.1 billion. Okay, let that, let that number hit your mind for a minute. Billion, 13.1 billion light years away. That's what they've determined how, that, that they think how far that thing is away. So according to science in the world today, they believe that, that, we have, that the universe has been in existence for 14 billion years. I'm not here to debate whether that's true or not. I'm just going by what they say on, from science. So if that is true, the light from that galaxy left 13, or 900,000 years, or 900, excuse me, 900 million years after the universe was supposedly created, and it finally showed up here 13.1 billion years later. That's, that's insane. It's insane. And yet, 
We let the things that are pressuring on us for the last five and a half months act like it's going to destroy the very foundation of our life. So as we come to the altar this morning, I want to ask you a few questions, and I want you to ponder these things. Go ahead and play that, that, that uh, question part, if you would, please. I want you to think about this. What is the pressure of your life revealing about you today? What do you need to surrender to the Lord today? And what needs to come out in order to make room for what the Lord has for you? Those are hard questions. It's really something to think about. I'm going to I'm going to play a video of a song that really is going to kind of like illustrate some of this. And after this video is played, I'm going to ask you to respond. And if you're comfortable enough to, to, to want to come to the front for prayer, I will pray with you. But if you also want to make an altar where you're at, that's, that's perfectly acceptable too, okay? I want you to, I want you to feel comfortable to, to respond in the way that the Lord would have you respond. But this song is going to like point the finger at a few things that, that talks about crushing and pressing and what the Lord will do through that process. So let's go ahead and roll this track. It's a song called New Wine.
Come on, sing it out. Make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Sing that. Jesus, bring new wine. Jesus, bring new wine. Oh, make it out of me, Lord. Jesus, bring new out of me. So that's a, that's a dangerous prayer to pray this morning. Because when you ask God to make you his vessel, when you ask the Lord to make you an offering, there's going to be some pressing. There's going to be some crushing. There's going to be some death. You've got to count the cost. That's right. So where are you at this morning? Make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever want me to be I came here with nothing but all that you have given me Jesus bring new wine out of me Jesus bring new wine out of me Lord, today, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, not being conformed to the power of this world anymore, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. God, renew us today. Lord, bring new wine out of us. Lord, let us not resist the pressing. Let us not resist the crushing that wants to come in. Because, Lord, if it's from you, we want to be something sweet produced in our lives. I know I've given you a lot to think about and process this morning. But I want to leave you with with two more things. And I promise I'll be quick. Pastor Jared referred to this passage in Matthew 26 when we were receiving communion a little bit earlier this morning. And right before verse 26, as Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, Jesus basically called called them out and he said, tonight one of you are going to betray me. And even allowed Judas to admit that it was him. And he's, you know, he had said, woe to you, for, you know, woe to that man who betrays me, for it had been better if he would not have been born. But it doesn't say in that chapter in, in Matthew, it doesn't say that Judas left. Judas was still had a seat at the table. The Lord knew this man was going to betray him, and yet he still offered him 
supper. So think about that. That God still loved Judas enough to say, yeah, you're going to turn your back on me and betray me, but you, you can still have relationships. You know, all of them forsook him at the end. They left him, and and Peter, in fact, denied him that he even knew him. You know, the only difference between Peter and Judas is that Peter came back. I I can promise you, if Judas would have turned around after he had betrayed the Lord and asked for forgiveness, that Jesus would have forgave him. No question. Because Judas was one of the reasons Jesus died. One of the people he died for. The last thought I'm going to leave you with this morning is Galatians chapter 5. Starting at verse 16. But I say, walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then he lists the works of the flesh, which are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Sounds a lot like about stuff that still goes on in the world today, right? And... I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but, there's that word again, but, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. So, as you, as you process these things, stay connected to the Spirit of God and allow him to produce those fruits in your life. And when you mess up, because you're going to mess up, you're going to fail, turn back and repent and say, Lord, press that toxicity out of my life. Press it out so that pressure can be removed and something else can be put in its place that produces the things that you desire in my life. Amen. I want you to know we love you. We're praying for you. And we want to see God's best at work in your life. And again, if you'd like prayer after we dismiss here in a moment, you're welcome to come to the front and I'll I'll be happy to pray with you and uh, trust that God is going to move in your life this morning. So let's stand and we'll receive the blessing of the Lord as we go this morning. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, and may he give you his peace. Go in God's grace today. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.